Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The strike is on. We're talking about the United Auto Workers. How they're doing it is kind of fascinating. In a world where you want a news story to drip, drip, drip to do the most damage? Is that what they're applying to the strike? This this kind of mentality, this 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 theory? It is fascinating. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on? It's good to be back in the chair. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. So it's General Motors, it's Ford, and it's Stellantis. What's interesting here is that when the UAW usually strikes, they pick one. You know? I don't know. Maybe it's like the same way they do keys from a fishbowl. But they pick one. And they're like, all right, Stellantis, you're up. Oh, we did General Motors last time. Who is it this time? And, you know, they, and that's where they strike. Not with this. With this, the United Auto Workers are going after everybody. What they want is more money. Well, of course they do. What else would they be striking for? What they started by asking for was a 40% pay increase. What they started by asking for was about money, uh, more money for retirement benefits. What they started with was the desire for cost of living increases. I mean, they're asking for the moon. Well, it's a strike. Of course, you're going to ask for the moon. You're going to end up with what you end up with. It went from 40% to, hey, no, 36% pay increase would be just fine. Um, well, the, the people over there at Stellantis offered 17.5% wage increases. Over at GM and Ford, they offered 20% pay increases. Now, I could tell you, me as an outsider looking in, cost of living, COLA adjustments, as they would be called, uh, that's just out. That's not coming. That's not coming. When Stellantis, I think it was, uh, what was the other one, GM, uh, made their offers, it was, well, we're not going to give you as much as you want, but we will give everybody a $6,000 inflation adjustment payment. So you mean a signing bonus? That's what you're talking about. You're talking about you're talking about a signing bonus here. That's it. Okay, all right. Uh, that did that did not fly. I think Stellantis offered the same kind of kind of thing. So the the union they are shooting the moon. They want huge, huge numbers. They're not going to get huge numbers. Well. Early on, Sean Fain, who heads up the United Auto Workers, had really set his ire on the people over there at Stellantis, formerly Fiat Chrysler. Like, like, uh, like, almost like it was personal. Just wicked, wicked angry. But the strike is now against all three, and here's how they're doing it. Today, it got announced that 13,000 workers are going on strike. Remember, 146,000 U.S. factory workers. I think you have over 200,000 members of the UAW, United Auto Workers, but 146,000 of them factory workers. 13,000 just went on strike. Not in one place, in three places. Ford has a plant in Detroit where they make the Ford Bronco. Strike. Stellantis has a factory in Toledo where they make the Jeep. Strike. GM has a plant where they make pickups. Strike. They took 13,000 workers spread over those three factories and said, you're walking out. Very interesting play 
First, they're going after all three. That's not usually the way they have done things. But 13,000, you have 146 members, so that's less than 10%. Right. This is where the drip, drip, drip theory comes into play. Why in the world go on strike with everybody at the same time? You've already, you, you, you already kind of like wasted your moment. What if we start with 13? This is me talking here. What if you start with 13? And you do that right before the Sunday shows, right? Oh, it's going to be a big weekend. Oh, everyone's going to be talking about the strike. Everyone's going to have to come out for or against the strike. Every politico, everybody running for president now has to talk about the strike. And you only did it with 13,000. Think of the effect that you just had with less than 10% of your force. Ah, oh, Monday comes and we don't have a deal. How about another 13,000? And we'll do it in, in the state of Indiana. We'll do it in the state of Arkansas. We'll do it in the state of, of Florida. All right, DeSantis, you figure it out. And then two more days go by, still no deal. How about another 13,000? Well, now you'd be up to 39,000 people on strike. That's a lot of people on strike. Now you got news crews in every state all talking about it, not just two or three places. Everywhere they're talking about it, local news, national news, international news. And now the pressure's on Biden, the pressure's on on Pete, on Pete Buttigieg, remember, these guys may all support Democrats with their checks, but they don't care as long as they get paid. And now you got Republicans who all have to talk about this thing, etc. It's a really interesting process by which you can develop more news stories and be in the news longer, therefore being the focus longer, therefore putting more pressure not only on the politicos, but on General Motors, on Ford, and on Stellantis dripping this thing through there's another part here when someone goes on strike you know they get paid right when someone goes on strike they get paid through something called a strike fund that's right the union in all the different ways it has all of this money from uh, the the union members they have a fund that they pay people during a strike so that people can still feed their families, right? That's, that's the premise. That fund has $825 million. That, kids, is a lot of money. I don't care who you are. That, kids. That's a big Twinkie. That is a big Twinkie, Winston. If I only put 13,000 people out on strike... I only have to pay for 13,000 people out of the strike fund. And then if I double it, it's only 26,000. And then if I add another 13, it's only 39,000. It's not 146,000 people I got to pay out of the fund. So you get impact for very little downside cost. We're on strike, but we only struck over here and therefore we're spending only a little bit of money here. And then if we have to increase it, it's still not a total amount of 146,000 workers. As a matter of strategy, yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty good. I mean, uh, look, I'm not saying you gotta respect the union. I'm saying you gotta respect the strategy. Somebody thought this through. What do I think is gonna happen? Do I think this is going to be successful? Well, I don't think there's any question that there's going to be a level of success considering that two of the three automakers have already offered a 20% pay increase. They, the union wants 36. They're going to end up uh, settling at what, 29? 
30, something something like that. The, the big three are have got to know that they're going to pay more. Of course they are. The retiree benefits, specifically medical benefits, I think is where this thing cracks. Because this is where companies fall apart. Maybe it was one thing to pay for retiree benefits and, and the health care when the average person was living to 67 and a half. But when everybody lives to 80, it creates a whole new thing. And there is only so much money. So I think that's where the give has got to be. Certainly, I can't imagine that the cost of living increases actually takes place. The 30%, I can, I can kind of see. I can see that happening. This strike is underway. It's going to be the story on the Sunday shows. The question is, what happens Monday? We'll be looking for it. And there are those who will tell you that this has a huge impact on the economy. You've got the U.S. Chamber of Commerce infuriated. Why didn't Joe Biden do more to stop the strike before it started? This threatens the economy. I'm here to tell you the economy has already got problems. Let me prove it to you. I'll do that next. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. No, this economy is not doing well. Why do you ask? But if you were to ask the Biden team, the Biden team will tell you once again that it's all fine. And you say to me, Tony, we have been through this. Uh, not like this. Not like with Biden just out of his head uh, this past week. We've climbed out of our great economic crisis. It's beginning to work for working people. No, no, it's not. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything we do over at TonyCats.com. It's not. You have to be fooling yourself. And one of the things that we see, never mind the ridiculousness of Joe Biden. Under under Meganomics, as I'm calling it. You're going to call it Meganomics? I think he meant Maganomics, but he doesn't know what he's saying. He doesn't know what, what he's saying. This past week, we saw some data come out from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. You can go check it out for yourself, bls.gov. CPI, that's the Consumer Price Index, that's up. PPI, the Producer Price Index, that is up. And how about the fact that import prices are up? Fuel prices are up. Export prices are up. What is this conversation that things are better? I'm discussing honesty, not your politics don't actually care. Not talking about ideology means nothing. Here's the data. Here's the real world. The inflation never went away. I would like for it to have gone away. I would like for things to continue falling. We'd all be better off. But that can't happen when you doubled the deficit. They thought it'd be a trillion-dollar deficit, as if that wasn't enough. Two trillion dollars. Doubled. Well, how do you think that happens? You spent more than you take in. You spent more than you took in. And the spending 
keeps the inflation high. Just like I explained uh, to that former state senator from New York on Fox News last weekend, just like I will probably end up explaining later today on Newsmax, we keep having these conversations. Stop spending. Stop spending and you will lower inflation. That's not their plan. Dr. Matt Will is an economist at the University of Indianapolis. And I said, okay, go over these two numbers with me. Go over this number regarding the consumer price index and go over with me, go over with me this number regarding the producer price index and tell me what it is that you see. Tony, the numbers came out and they were 0.7% last month. What does that mean? Times 12. 8.4% inflation for manufacturers last month. 8.4%. That's the highest we've seen, Tony, since the middle of last year. This is increasingly a problem. The president says inflation's under control. Tony, 8.4%. I don't think that's under control. I don't care how radically left you may be in this world. You can't tell me that 8.4% inflation is valid. Talk that to is me. a problem, and it's leading into worse problems. Talk to me how you get to the 8.4% number, because if I take a look at the 0.7, which is higher than July's 0.4, higher than June's negative 0.1, May's negative 0.3, which means for the past three months, we have had an increase in producer price index, but I don't know how you get to that 8.4% number. Well, this is something that I talk about every time we mention this, Tony. Take 0.7, which is the one month figure, and multiply by 12. That's the annualized figure. So in this month of August, you had an 8.4 annualized uh, increase in inflation. Tony, it's kind of like if you got a, you know, if you got a 1% pay raise this month, but then you got a 1% every month, that'd be 12. So you just take this one month and multiply by 12. I think that's the real number. The price is going up this month is what matters, Tony. What happened five months ago doesn't matter as much. This month it went up on an annualized rate of 8.4%. But if I take a look at how the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, views the number, the change in final demand from 12 months ago unadjusted is 1.6, and the change in final demand, less food, energy, and trade, is 3.0. These are the numbers that get played with by the White House and certainly by the media, but no matter how you look at these, the, the, the trend over the last three months is up, up, up. But it's worse than it's worse than that, Tony. Let, let's forget about how the White House likes to spin this. They released the White House released two days ago that the real median household income, your household, Tony, last year, you took home one thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars less. You got a pay cut last year of one thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. That we have not seen that since nineteen eighty one, Tony. That a household took home less money. Let's see how they spin that. That's less money in your pocket. Well, they spin that by not talking about it. That's quite obvious. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, you do focus on this PPI number because what the manufacturers, what it's costing them, of course, those costs move over to the consumer. But you also take a look at warehousing. You take a look at what the the uh, inventory levels are. And as we have discussed and as we have seen, retailers are already saying, don't expect too much this holiday season. What is the latest report 
from uh, that you've seen regarding inventory levels? Yeah, Tony, the Institute of Supply Management, I always want to look at this because they are the best real-time indicator. And what they show us is the backlog of orders. That means, you know, the, the retail stores, your, your, you know, your places you go to buy your Christmas presents and Hanukkah presents, they're down. They're actually contracting. They're reducing their orders. They're pulling back. On top of that, Tony, their inventories are shrinking. This is not a good combination. So inventories are shrinking and they're ordering less. That does not tell me that they're optimistic. They tell us they are. Remember the other day we spoke and, oh, Apple's optimistic. It's going to be the great, greatest year ever. Well, their behavior doesn't show that. It contradicts their words. Let's move it over to the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, where I take a look at all items, August of 2023, up 0.6. This is a trend now. March, April, May, June, July, it has gone. It has gone from these point uh, ones, a point four, a point one in May to point two, point two, point six. The unadjusted being three point seven. All items being uh, considered less food and energy, which they decide is volatile, and somehow we shouldn't count that, is four point three. Tell me what these numbers mean. Well, again, Tony, I like to do the, you know, get out your calculator, people, and multiply point six times twelve. That gives us 7.2%. So we are back to the same inflation that we had in the worst part of the Bidenomics inflation uh, story. So Bidenomics has given us this last month the highest level inflation we saw since the worst part of this Bidenomics inflation push. So that makes me concerned. And like you said, Tony, let's pull out the food. Because, you know, is food really something you need? Let's not look at that number. It's still high, Tony. It's still at 3.6%. Um, yeah, 3.6%, Tony, annualized. That right. is too much. So you take the number, you multiply it by 12. That's why Dr. Will says 3.6%, even though the unadjusted 12-month ending in August of 2023 is 4.3. Uh, that's less the food and, and the energy. Except on the energy front, uh, we have canceled leases on gas and oil at the same time, OPEC has said they're not going to uh, be pumping more and putting out more. How come the markets haven't lost their mind over this one-two punch? I think they have, Tony. We are, we are now approaching overnight. We're over $90 a barrel for oil. We may head towards 100 The markets have lost their mind from an oil standpoint. You know, and even though cringe Jean-Pierre likes to talk about the fact that the president is doing everything he can to reduce energy prices. Does that include the non the canceling of leases to extract oil in Alaska? I think she's lying to us again, Tony. And the market is reacting. It is reacting because the price of oil is going up. Yeah, uh, as we're speaking right now, the West Texas intermediate price is eighty nine thirty six a barrel. The Brent crude price is ninety two eighty, and we were warning about this two weeks ago that the, the the sirens are going off and that oil is going to go up. This is heading up as we head into winter. So when you take a look at energy, I thought this was a very deceiving number, and that uh, fuel oil was down, uh, you know, fourteen point uh, eight. Uh, that's uh, the twelve month adjusted, but you take a look at July to August from three three percent to nine point one percent in August. Um, this is uh, this doesn't seem to me like something that bodes well for November, December, January, and February. 
No, it doesn't. I'll bring you the full conversation and Dr. Matt Will's answer to that in a little bit. Griff Jenkins from Fox News scheduled to be with us. The latest border crossing numbers. Yeah. I'm Tony Katz. I'm a firefighter. A teacher. I'm a farmer. I'm a barber. A waitress. A mom. We're all part of your community. Every day we move in and out of each other's busy lives. It's easy to take for granted all the little moments that make up our every day. Some are good, others not so much. But that's life. It's when you experience a moment of uncertainty. Something or someone's behavior that doesn't seem quite right. These are the moments to take a pause. Because if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not. It's not about paranoia. Or being afraid. It's about standing up and protecting our communities. One detail at a time. Because a lot of little details can become a pattern. We. 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 We trust our instincts. Just like you should. Because only you know what's not supposed to be in your everyday. So protect your everyday. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. United Auto Workers on strike. You have a presidential campaign. You have Hunter Biden being indicted regarding the gun charges. There's a lot happening. And the through line through it all in America, regardless of any subject you bring up, is that the border is not secure. And the border continues to fail. And people continue to die. And the danger increases. Even when Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, is screaming, we will get destroyed by this. Even when you see the disasters in San Francisco and Los Angeles. Even though it is in the backyard of media outlets everywhere, they don't talk about it as a top-line subject. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Griff Jenkins has been talking about the border since before the border was (laughs) cool. Washington-based correspondent for Fox News Channel, co-anchor of Fox News Live. It's true, man. It's true. Before people were covering the border, you were the guy walking the Darien Gap. You were the guy following uh, these caravans and others uh, up there. And the latest numbers out there is that Mexican families are crossing um, in in these levels of unprecedented numbers. Illegal crossings in July were up but down from last year. What is the latest from the border on these crossings? It's a friggin' mess. Tony Katz, it's great to be with you, man. Happy Friday. And uh, listen, you know, you're so right. There's so much going on. Excuse me. And yet no one wants to really deal with the problem. But we saw today, by the way, uh, the uh, members of the New York delegation there, AOC and the like, turned up in New York outside that migrant shelter at the Roosevelt Hotel. And what happened? They were ridiculed, yelled at, booed when they were chanting, close the border, because people are fed up with what's happening. And it's a, a great snapshot of the crisis that's happening in New York with his literally 100,000 migrants, which Texas sees, uh, you know, in a matter of a, a month. But you're seeing the what happens at the border going everywhere else in the country, and that is why it's becoming a national problem. And, you know, 
I got to tell you, I've been covering it for years, like you mentioned. And I remember when I was in the Darien Gap back a year and a half ago, we were seeing there maybe 800 to 1,000 migrants coming through that treacherous Darien Gap. And it is brutal. Let me tell you, we showed you the pictures, but it is awful. The worst of the worst of the jungle. But I literally yesterday, Tony, talked to my, my source that I keep down there. And it's, a, it's a, you know, our Border Patrol and our DHS folks put people in those countries like Panama uh, to monitor the situation. And my source down there says they are seeing upwards of five thousand a day coming into the daring gap now five thousand doesn't sound like a lot but you got to realize those are the people from far far away the people from africa the bill malusian's been showing pictures this week in his coverage that are ending up on our border they come through the daring gap then they pick up all of the central americans and then the mexicans that's how it turns into 7,000 or more a day on our border. And so it's, you know, we're able to look at the Darien Gap and say, okay, this is like weather forecasting. We see a hurricane out at sea and it's likely going to hit the U.S., you know, uh, Florida or wherever it's going to hit. That's what we're able to see. And, you know, it has never been worse. The numbers are spiraling back out of control again because this administration simply has made it very clear to the rest of the world that if you come here, cross illegally, you're not going to be deported. It's going to be no, you're getting... unless you're literally a, a, a person that hits some sort of international database for being a convicted murderer, you're probably not going to even spend more than 15 minutes of being processed. And when you Now, what's interesting, this... let, me, let me stop you for a second, Griff, talking yeah. to Griff Jenkins uh, of Fox News. This was the scene, you mentioned Representative Ocasio-Cortez, this was the scene... At that press conference, literally people, New Yorkers, holding signs that say Americans first. You had the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, state, we will get destroyed by this. Are you saying that for Congress and, and, and for let if we want to even describe it as just the political left, as if somehow that's the only issue here, th this hasn't moved them to some level of action? No. And not only that, if you go back a couple of weeks, you'll remember, uh, I think it was maybe two weeks ago, Tony, when Governor Hochul of New York was like, you know, we, we were calling on the administration, meaning President Biden, although she wouldn't call him out by name, saying this is his problem. And also, we've got to do something at the federal level to offer him work permits. And my jaw hit the floor because here's how this works. There's a push factor and a pull factor. The push factor pushes migrants out of their country. Namely, they don't have jobs or they don't have good enough paying jobs. They see America as an opportunity. So when you put a headline out there, like the migrants, when they come illegally, are going to not only be able to stay, but they might get work permits and get in front of the line of an American, <clears throat> you can bet they're going to come hand over fist. And that's why those New Yorkers are so pissed off. Because they're looking at the, the situation in their city saying, wait a minute, these migrants are more important than the citizens of the Big Apple? No, full stop, absolutely not. And I think, by the way, I'm going to make a quick prediction with you. I think next week, as we go forward, I think you're going to see a real hold-the-line effort by the House Freedom Caucus on the, on the spending deal. And we might get a government shutdown, and it might be because the freedom, some Freedom Caucus guys want to tie 
a border bill to this continuing resolution saying, give us a border bill, shut the border down, give us border security, or else we're closing the government. I think you're going to see a stand. Whether or not it succeeds or not, I don't know, but I think you're going to see it. First, it's amazing that for all the things that I've been discussing, border shutdown is probably at the bottom of the list. I, I haven't really gotten to it over this over this past week or even even the week before. It's amazing how silent that conversation is. But I want to bring back something uh, that that we've been talking about with the border, which is you have a judge saying that this this buoy border that Governor Greg Abbott of Texas has put in the Rio Grande, that's unacceptable. And then you have the Biden administration itself trying to figure out a way to keep migrants, illegal immigrants, depending on how you want to see it, in Texas. No, you can't send a bus to D.C. to Vice President <laughs> Harris's doorstep. You can't send a bus to New York. You can't send a bus here. They have to stay in Texas. What is the update on those two maneuvers? Well, I mean, look, surprise, surprise, the administration didn't want to bring Remain in Mexico back because that was a Trump administration policy. They worked brilliantly because migrants don't want to sit on the Mexican side of the border in places like Matamoros and Juarez and Tijuana, they want to come to the U.S. And that's why it worked. But yet now they, of course, have this problem with upsetting people like Mayor Adams and Governor Hochul in New York. So they're like, let's just do our own version, which is remain in Texas. And it's not flying and it's not going to hold up. And that's why you're seeing Abbott uh, fight it uh, hand and fist. And, you know, on the border uh, buoys, I think, you know, I don't know exactly how that's going to play out because you've got this navigations, rivers and navigations act. They're basically doing an environmental uh, end run to try and get, get those shut down. But at the end of the day, no one, and I mean nobody, has had a bigger impact in trying to make the entire country understand how bad this problem is and what a national security threat this uh, this open border is than Governor Abbott. And so, you know, you got to give him credit, whether you like him or, or hate him. He has definitely put it on the front burner, and it's just yet another lawsuit that he's he's fighting. But at the end of the day, whether it is putting up the barbed wire or the buoys, he's doing everything he can to protect our southern border when very few others are, are, are even close to try and, and match the efforts he's putting into it. And make no mistake, you mentioned I put the numbers out. It's going to be over 230000 for August. You've got the two and a half uh, million that have essentially come since, since, uh, since Biden took over. But you've also got the one and a half plus million that are known gotaways. That's one and a half million people that we don't know who they are. And we just celebrated or, or uh, commemorated uh, the anniversary of 9-11. Uh, and we remember what happened, those of us old enough to remember what happened on that horrible day. And yet here we've got people hitting the terrorist uh, screening database, almost 150, my last count, that have come through that they know of. What about the ones we don't know about? Talking to Griff Jenkins of, of Fox News. Mm-hmm. And, and Griff, you, you uh, put out a story that is really directed towards uh, Indiana, towards um, Nebraska, Missouri, 
uh, towards Middle America. And that was the headline. Border residents fearful Middle Americans won't hear warning about immigration crisis ahead of Election Day. I, I don't think I could speak for everybody in the Midwest, but I can speak for some. And since we discuss this on a regular basis, we're very fully uh, aware and have made the argument repeatedly that these people are not coming to Texas. They're coming to America. That's what's happening here, and Texas does not deserve this abuse. Who? Uh, tell me about the polling that you did, and what is it that you're hearing people say? Well, you're, you're hearing <clears throat> that aside from, excuse me, by the way, uh, you're hearing aside from the inflation and the fact that people can't make ends meet and, and the economic reality that has always been the case since as long as I can remember covering politics, the top priority, grab them by the pocketbook, their hearts and minds follow, Tony. But the border is consistently the second most important issue, not just to Texans or Arizonans or Californians, but to people in Indiana and all across the country because they're starting to understand it. And, you know, it's often uh, referenced that if you <clears throat> had an airliner of 300 people crash every day and everybody died, the country would be on edge. Well, you've got that with fentanyl. And the fentanyl is coming because we have an open border. And so it's not just a national security threat of a terrorist coming through. You've got the fentanyl that is ravaging our country in every corner, in every state. And then you've got the situation like you've got in New York, where the migrant uh, uh, crisis is draining resources and taking away from quality of life and services of those taxpaying citizens that live in those municipalities. And so, you know, this is no matter how much the Biden administration and uh, more importantly, the Biden campaign doesn't want this to be an issue. This is an issue that is front and center for voters in every state. Griff Jenkins, Fox News Channel, a co-anchor of Fox News Live. Uh, always appreciate when you take the time and have the updates. Griff Jenkins, all the best. Thank you. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Just in case you didn't have enough to drive you crazy, the CDC wants you to know some new guidelines. Oh, God! Yes, they really, really do. They've, no, they've got. Oh, God, please, no! What? No! No, look, they've. No! They, would you please? No! Listen! Would you just stop yelling? O-M-G. Are you kidding me right now? I am not. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. Would you just hear them out? The CDC is here to help. I hate Illinois Nazis. That was not necessary. Might you owe some people an apology right there. That's just... That's just rude. Listen to what the CDC has to say. While we would all love to leave COVID-19 behind, the virus is still here and making some phony. people very sick, hey, especially older adults. The new updated COVID-19 vaccine is the most effective way to give your body the ability to keep the COVID virus from causing you harm. Ew. 
David. That's why CDC recommends everyone six months and older get one dose of the updated COVID-19 vaccine ahead of the fall and winter season. It's this recommendation was based on extensive data and clinical trials. As a doctor, a mom, a wife, a daughter, and head of the CDC, I would not recommend anything to others that I wouldn't recommend for my own family. That's why my nine and 11 year old daughters, my husband, my parents, and I will all be rolling up our sleeves to get our updated COVID-19 vaccine. But this whole place sucks. I encourage you to get your own updated COVID vaccine and make sure everyone in your family who's six months and older does so as well. Don't forget, it's also a good time to get your flu shot if you haven't already. Check vaccines.gov yeah, to well, find a location yeah, near you and get your vaccine and if you have any questions about the vaccine, please talk to your doctor. Unless your doctor doesn't agree with us, in which case, screw your doctor. <sighs> Six months and older, get a COVID booster. Wow. <sighs> All right. Allow me to be a, a very, very responsible radio host just for the, just for the moment. Um. Absolutely check with your doctor. That's the voice of Mandy Cohen, director of the CDC, medical doctor, who mocked masks before she was CDC director. Um, Check with your doctor, check with your doctor, check with your doctor. And I would recommend uh, that when when you hear the CDC say something, um, the grains of salt it should be taken with would be considered very large grains of salt. I'm talking huge grains of salt. There, for on, on a very personal level, there is nothing that the CDC could tell me where I would be like, yep, doing that right away. If I heard it from the CDC, it would make me say, okay, let me start doing some research into what this is. No, I would not trust them off the bat. Six months? Um... I know there are people out there who vaccinate their kids. I will tell you, I don't get it. I don't, you know, to, to, to quote an earlier episode of, of West wing, you know, I don't know. He he said it as crime boy. I don't know, but it just, I don't know. I don't know what to say to people who, who vaccinate their children. I don't know how I'm supposed to look at them. I don't know how I'm supposed to understand but I, I i guess i don't have to is is the answer i do not have to understand i would tell you that no matter what you do don't do it because the cdc said it do it because you've checked with your doctor somebody you know like and trust and you've made the decision that's i think a rational way to go about the thing Find everything we do at TonyKatz.com. The Hunter Biden gun charge. And Congressman Jim Banks, who is running for Senate in Indiana. On the $6 billion to Iran and why that isn't more of a story. Up next.